our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. Hey, Sonia. So Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, they've definitely been a controversial buzzword. It feels like everyone's got an opinion on them from being like a unicorn moneymaker to an outright scam. We've heard it on the news, Sonia. We've heard people talk about it. And with the current value of all cryptocurrencies sitting at over $200 billion, I don't think this industry has ever been more popular. So what is Bitcoin? Can you make a lot of money from them? And should they be a staple in our investing journeys? Or are they just a short-term fad that's destined to die out? Before into we get it, into though. it, though, have you been? Have you been? I've, I've been, been so, so good. good. How have, How you, have been? you been? I've been well, I've been well this, this week. week. I kind, I kind of, of went down, went down like, a, like a skincare, skincare rabbit, hole rabbit hole on YouTube, on YouTube and, and just, just I don't I can't even tell you why, but I was like, I just want to wrap my head around it because just like investing, it just felt really <laughs> overwhelming. You laugh, but you know it's true. <laughs> it is actually true. Because I know you've always sort of been good with your skincare, like you've always sort of had like a routine because I remember when we were younger, you were just like, skincare is an investment <laughs> And I was like, holy, it is. But I just didn't feel it because I was like, you know, I'm young, whatever, like, I'll be fine. But, you know, Sonia, I'm turning 24 in a few weeks. It's time to start caring. Mm -hmm. So what did you purchase? So I have quite a few minis that I purchased from my last little attempt at skincare. (laughs) And so I just watched, like, what dermatologists were recommending, like, what their skincare routine was. Because since they're doctors, they focus on, like, evidence-based science and like they won't use something that isn't like got research and like studies and tests behind it so I bought some retinol cream by Drunk Elephant that was like my splurge but I got the mini because I was like if this peels my skin off at least I haven't bought $130 worth of it hold on right there why are you buying retinol as a 24 year old are we 24 going on 50 what's happening okay first of all I'm 23 turning 24 you know still got a month to go thank you very much come off it it's 24 in a few weeks, you're 24. I am not 24 yet. Anyway, so why am I purchasing it? Initially, I used to feel the same way. And I was like, no, like it's it's for, not elderly women, no, sorry, it's for 
skin when it's starting to not, you know, renew as as young as quickly as you as it could when you were younger. But you know, I was looking into what dermatologists were saying, and they were like, honestly, mid twenties, late twenties, it's fine. Like, there's no harm in doing it. So here I am. There's no harm in doing it. Then what's the benefit of it? Well, I guess it's maybe like a, <laughs> maybe like a like a preventative sort of method. You know what? We'll revise this one at fifty, and then we can talk. <laughs> Look, just like with investing with skincare, you really need to understand your skin type. So just because Sim as a twenty-four year old is using retinol, please just take a look at your skin and understand yourself before you decide to buy retinol. What Sonia is trying to say is, don't listen to me. She a hundred percent doesn't believe in it, and she wants you to look after your skin. Moving on, to- I believe in retinol. It's a tangible thing. You know what? Can't not believe in it. It exists. You know what? This is a investing podcast. Let's just let's just let's just move on. Okay. So anyway, Bitcoin. This has been such a highly requested episode, and I think with things like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, there's such a huge level of FOMO with it. Would you agree? I definitely agree. I think you hear all these buzzword articles that are like, oh, this person's a millionaire from investing in Bitcoin and you just don't really understand it. You constantly feel like you need to get into it, you know? Yeah. I feel like as humans, we are just prone to FOMO. Like for example, you could see someone on your Instagram story out to the beach and you'll be like, damn, I wish I was doing that right now. Like let alone turning into a billionaire from something that just blew up. It's just in our nature. But can I just say, like, when people talk about, oh, like, you know, like, so-and-so became a Bitcoin millionaire. Do you remember from The Social Network, like, that movie that was made about Facebook or, like, about Mark Zuckerberg? I do remember the one. And do you remember how, I don't know if you do, but there was, like, these twins in the movie that were, like, we actually founded Facebook and now Mark took it off us and now we're going to sue him. Do you remember those twins? I'm just going to say no. Okay, well. Because I have not personally seen The Social Network, but I know what it's about. I asked if you Explain remember. It to me. Okay, anyway. In the movie, there's these twins. They're real twins, obviously. And in real life, they made, don't laugh at me, in real life, they made $150 million from their Bitcoin investments. No one talks about how they put in $11 million to begin with. Like, they didn't go from rags to riches here. Mm. That's the thing I think yeah. we need to take into account when we get FOMO about these things you didn't put in a thousand dollars and now you're sitting on a yacht like it it's not the Mm -hmm. case also when it comes to investing and especially this episode I hope that what you take away from this is not us telling you what to invest in or what not to invest in but rather knowing what it's all about understanding the key concepts to a competent level and then being able to decide okay yeah this is for me I understand it I like it I have the appetite for it or okay I understand it I can talk about it among like my peers and stuff now and I know it's not. When the whole bitcoin thing took off Sim and I were just teenagers and I think that's why my eyes used to glaze over when people used to talk about it because it was everywhere right and then it got to a point where I was like I don't really want to do extensive research on this thing, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna give it a pass. But then looking into it a little bit further, it's not as hard as people make it seem, which is to be honest, like most concepts in investing as well. Okay, look, we need to let that go. 
So how about we get started on understanding what cryptocurrency is and the history behind it? Yeah, so basically cryptocurrency is, in, sort of in its name, it's a digital or virtual currency. And then Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. So if you think about cryptocurrency like money, Bitcoin would be like the US dollar or the Canadian dollar or the New Zealand dollar. So that's how that sort of works. Cryptocurrency or Bitcoin in particular it's the transfer of value. So to begin with, you have to believe there is some value to it. Now, there, as Sonia will explain, are thousands of types of cryptocurrencies out there. So we'll just focus on a few, particularly Bitcoin, because, I mean, let's be honest, it's the most well-known. So like most things that are invented, they come because they're trying to solve a problem in the world. The problem was that every time we spend money online, you know, it goes through the bank or it goes through your credit card company. We are relying on our governments and our banks and our big organizations to do that properly and to not, you know, I guess, screw us over. And so during the 2008-2009 global financial crisis, a unknown slash anonymous person slash group of people that went by the name Sakoshi Nakamoto, I am so sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, decided to, in response to this, create a type of currency that wasn't owned by a bank, that wasn't owned by a country, that wasn't owned by an organization. So it's the first decentralized currency and that nothing owns it. And therefore, it's immune to government interference or manipulation. How important is this? I guess it depends on you and what you believe, but that's the whole idea of why it even began. So how does it actually work? So basically what it does is it relies on blockchain technology. Blockchain technology sounds real like fancy and confusing, but you know what? I'm going to explain it in one sentence because it doesn't need a 10-minute spiel. It's essentially just a really long piece of paper in a way that records every single transaction that Bitcoin has had. So just say you buy it off me, that's recorded. I use it to buy something online that's recorded. It just is like a piece of paper that has all the movements of Bitcoin. And the way that it works is that lots of computers around the world are writing down the same piece of paper. So they sort of like check with each other and make sure no one's adding something that's not meant to be there. And therefore that's how it's made to be quite secure. And that's the idea behind how it works. It's important to understand Bitcoin is not an investment like a investment into a company like Amazon or, you know, you're buying a physical product. It's like investing in a currency like the US dollar or the Canadian dollar. With that being said, how do you actually make money from it? So that's a really good question. And I think this is what like confuses a lot of people and definitely used to confuse me because I like, like you were saying when we were younger, Bitcoin was like going off. But one, I did not have the money to get started because I was like what well, if it came out 2009 how old were we we were like an intermediate school song yeah oh bro not even teenagers eh? we were in year eight we were 12 <laughs> at the tender age of 12 I did not have the capital for bitcoin <laughs> why not there were people that start investing at 10 do you ever see those comments on like Graham Stephan YouTube videos and he, they'll be like I'm eight and I'm so nine I'm now like oh so how do you make money there's two key ways of making money through Bitcoin. Again, sounds real complex. If you break it down, honestly, very simple. 
Number one is that in the same way that with like real money, it's created by the government or the banks or the feds printing money. So that's how you get more money into a country, like printing out literally just like dollar bills. With Bitcoin, they rely on people, everyday people like you and me, offering to give up some space on our computers, so giving up some storage or processing power to create Bitcoin. And they Mm -hmm. will thank you by giving up some of your space by giving you a Bitcoin. So that's one of the ways. And that's called Bitcoin mining. So you might have heard of that term like float around. Back in the day, it used to be as simple as just like giving up one of your spare computers and letting it run on the background in your house. But nowadays, it actually gets harder and harder to Bitcoin mine successfully because it needs more storage space. And so like some people have to buy specialized storage material to even do this so it's really not as lucrative as it used to be but that's one way and then the other way is investing in the exchange rate so basically you're investing in the sense that just say I had one US dollar bill and just say it was worth 50 New Zealand dollars right now and I held on to that one dollar bill because I was like you know what in a year's time that one dollar US bill should be worth a thousand New Zealand dollars and I would have made a profit. That is what you're hoping to happen with cryptocurrencies when you invest in them. So again, you're not investing in a company, you're not investing in a product per se, you're investing in the speculation that the value will go up. So it's October right now, the value of Bitcoin for one Bitcoin is 11,000 US dollars. The value of Bitcoin in October 10 years ago, so 2010, it was worth one cent. So naturally, we want to chat about this. Yeah, it's crazy. When you say that, like one Bitcoin is worth this amount of dollars, like can you actually use Bitcoin to buy stuff? Yep. So you absolutely can if what you want to buy accepts Bitcoin. So I guess it's up to like retailers to accept it I know that like you can buy like a Lamborghini like there's Lamborghini stores that accept Bitcoin I mean if you've got Bitcoin and you've got enough of it why not just get a Lamborghini in exchange that's probably a really good marketing tool yeah thank you so much for bringing that up that's what I was going to do next weekend just head over to you know the Lamborghini store in Newmarket and um buy one using my Bitcoin can you get one for me sure I have the means I mean, some unis accept it for uni fees. There's definitely ways to use it. It's obviously not as easy to use as, say, your credit card or cash, but it's not impossible anymore. But yeah, does that make sense about how you can make money from it and like how it works? Like, is that, did I explain that well? Or? Yeah, definitely. So essentially, how I understood it is that there's two different ways that you can make money. One is, essentially them thanking you for space on your computer yeah basically so two you're investing in the exchange rate of that dollar with the belief or hope that it's going to increase in value right yeah exactly yeah it's really not that hard to grasp i think when you have it explained that way a hundred percent i think the thing is as well is that the way that i learn is by putting it into examples that I understand. Mm-hmm. Meaning when you, you were using that Lamborghini example, so within my realm, you know, like I, I understood. Yeah. 
Because that's what you do on your weekends. That all sounds well and good, but could you maybe take us through maybe some pros of cryptocurrency? What's in it for me? (laughs) Yeah, that's what the bottom line is, right? Like, what does this mean for me? So understanding cryptocurrency, again, I'm not here to say, like, you should invest in it and you shouldn't, but let's just break down what the pros and cons are, I guess. A good thing from Bitcoin or just cryptocurrencies in general is that it's trying to eliminate that, as I was explaining earlier, the need for institutions and banks to be involved in the process of your money. So, you know, eliminating bank fees and eliminating transfer fees. But then on the flip side, if you're exchanging Bitcoin to something else, there's still going to be exchange rate fees. So I don't know if it quite does what it's hoping to. As I was explaining earlier with the idea of you can give up your computer space to make Bitcoin, the idea is right now, or at least sort of like November last year, there was over 18 million Bitcoins in circulation and it's going to get capped off at 21 million. So once it hits 21 million Bitcoins, no more Bitcoin will be made, which means there's a fixed amount. Why does that matter? It means that Bitcoin will be less likely to be affected by inflation in the same way that people hold on to gold. So the idea is that once there's a fixed amount, you can't print like in the same way. Like if we have a dollar, if the government keeps printing out more money or more dollars, the value of your dollar drops, right? Like with inflation, that's what inflation is. If there's only so much Bitcoin and no more is being made, then that inflation risk is reduced. So the idea is that eventually people will hold on to Bitcoin the same way they hold on to gold as an investment. And then in terms of some of the cons, this is the biggest con for me, is that it relies on people believing in it. With investing in real estate, at least there's a house. When investing in the stock market or companies, at least there's a company. You know, Tesla, it makes sense. They make a car, they make profit. You can see their financials and you can understand it and go, yeah, this is worth investing in or not. When you're investing in currency, it's no different than holding on to one US dollar and hoping that it's going to be worth a lot more down the track. Like it's just based on the fact that people believe in it and there's no Mm. promise that tomorrow people wake up and go, oh, you know what, this isn't working for me and they just pull all their money out of it. There's just so much uncertainty. For me, that's one of the big. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. 
So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increase revenue, expanded reach, and enhance customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Yes. I guess risks or cons as well, because there's such a high level of trust that this thing is going to increase in value. But at the same time, there's no guarantee or they're not even delivering on a promise that it will. Absolutely. And that's what you call speculation, right? There's just so much speculation. Also, with the fact that it is so new, that leads me to the next point. It just hasn't been around long enough to know the long-term implications. So moving on to another problem with it all being so new, there was this billionaire that passed away. He had $15 million worth of Ripple, which, as you were explaining earlier, is one of the types of cryptocurrency. But because it wasn't really in his will, his family are now having trouble accessing those private keys to his cryptocurrency wallet. So, you know, because it's all new and we're still figuring it out, there's still still some trouble around it. Now, in saying that, his wife, his ex-wife was the co-founder of Jimmy Choo, so I don't know. You know, I think they'll be okay, but it still sucks. (laughs) Another con is that because the whole premises is like away from governments, away from banks, it's definitely going to be used and is being used for illegal activities. Now, Bitcoin itself is not really that great of a cryptocurrency for illegal activities because it's so transparent about every transaction. But there are some dodgy ones out there like Dash that, you know, aren't going to be the best. And another one for me is that it's just completely unregulated. It's, you know, there's no governing cryptocurrency body that's making sure this is fair, this is safe. If anything goes wrong, who do we turn to? That's a con for us. And then there are people on the flip side that see that as a pro. That's very true. That's very true. So I guess... It just depends on where you personally stand and therefore how you see it. But that's true. I guess it's a con for us. One of the founding rules of investing is that you don't invest in things that you don't understand, right? And even though I personally feel like I understand cryptocurrency, I still don't understand how this is something that I can see going up in value in the sense that there is some intrinsic value to it. It is just speculation. And I don't want to put money into something that is based on how the rest of the world feels about it. But yeah, so that's that's me. I want to know if I was interested in cryptocurrency, where would it fit into, you know, a portfolio and where do I get it from? Just again, simply put, cryptocurrency is just digital virtual currency, right? So the thing about it is that a new currency, and I said that with quote-unquote currency, a new one can be created at any time. So there's actually thousands of different types of cryptocurrency. Now you best believe I am not going through every single one. But what I will do, the way that I'm going to run through this, it is based on market capitalization not based on my personal feelings or our thoughts on. Sorry, just to jump in, for those that aren't aware, what is market capitalization? 
Okay. So market capitalization, it is just the value of a company that is traded on the stock market. And in terms of the way that it's calculated, you just multiply the total number of shares by the current share price. So it's the worth of that company share. Yeah. So would you say like for cryptocurrency it's just the worth of all the currency sim did go through bitcoin um when we were going through the history of where this all started and rightfully so it was the first and the most popular to this day form of cryptocurrency so that is sitting at the top of its ranks (laughs) right now The second largest cryptocurrency platform right after bitcoin is called ethereum Now, it has a pretty interesting backstory. So it was founded by a 17-year-old called Vitalik Buterin, and his father actually introduced Bitcoin to him. And he was just so interested in this technology, he actually worked for a Bitcoin magazine, like writing articles. And what he'd do is he'd pitch ideas on how to make this program better and how to make improvements on like the platform itself. Long story short, they didn't listen. So he was like, you know what? Let me just go make my own cryptocurrency instead. You know, the boldness, I'm here for it. He was like, you know what? If Bitcoin doesn't do it, I'll just do the damn thing myself. Like, I don't need you. You actually need me. And that's exactly what he did. So it released in 2015 and currently in 2020, it has the market cap of 44.7 billion. So that's the total value of all Ethereum money. Oh, wow. That's not too shabby. That is not too shabby. So the technology itself is actually pretty similar to Bitcoin in the sense that it uses nodes and computer transactions and blockchaining, as Sim went through before. But there are two points of difference. One is this thing called smart contracts. So what that means is is that in Ethereum blockchain, it has specific rules or, I guess, restrictions. So basically it's like Bitcoin, but is it meant to be like more secure? Is that the idea that they're going with? That's the idea that they're going with. So the Ethereum blockchain is designed so that transactions can only take place when certain conditions or rules are met. Oh, okay. The second way that it's different is because it wants to be a very decentralized application. They've got this whole other set of applications that you can use with this currency. So the currency itself is called Ether and the company is called Ethereum. So you can use Ether on the apps. So they call it the apps or digital apps and they're applications that don't run on a traditional server. So they run on a blockchain to decentralize the server itself. So you can use it to buy a, a bag on this app through their website. Does that make sense? It does. Do you think you would ever do that? Or do you think at this stage it's something that as a general consumer we're kind of like, you know what, my bank card does this just fine on ASOS? Mm-hmm. I definitely see where they're coming from and why they want to do what they want to do because I think in this day and age there's a lot of controversy around the privacy of our data, Mm. like with Facebook, with TikTok, my goodness. With all these, you know, social media apps that we use on a day-to-day basis, people who are prioritizing 
their privacy and the way that their information is stored, I can see why they'd go to something like this because they market themselves as secure and, you know, if you can buy your goods and services through their currency as well, you don't need input banking information either. So the type of cryptocurrency is called Ripple or XRP. So again, Ripple is the name of the company. XRP is the name of the actual currency. Essentially, it was founded back in 2013 by a guy called Jed McCaleb, and he's a programmer. So he's actually been involved in a few other cryptocurrency platforms in the past, and he founded eDonkey as well. Essentially, in 2013, he just invited a bunch of world-class investors to invest in Ripple Labs, and that's where it kind of came from point of difference with this platform being is that they really focus on international transactions so i think with bitcoin and with um, ethereum they focus on you know goods and services and exchanging the currency for that with ripple it's trying to make international transactions as easy as fast and as cheap as possible oh yeah so that that makes sense so there's I mean, there's thousands out there, but I think it's so great to kind of understand the difference between the other ones too. If I wanted Mm. to invest in cryptocurrencies and I was like, yep, this is right for me, where can I buy these digital currencies? Um, You can buy them from the websites directly. So if you go on bitcoin.org or if you go on ethereum, ethereum ethereum.org, you can buy the currencies from there. Cryptocurrencies, they can actually be... On some micro-investing platforms, especially American micro-investing platforms, I know Robinhood, um, you can buy Bitcoin through Robinhood. Mm -hmm. And essentially to locate them, it's as easy as going into like the buy-sell pages of the platform that you use and you can search for it and it hopefully should come up. The second way, I guess I would consider this the most popular way to by cryptocurrency, it's actually by looking into a crypto wallet. So a crypto wallet is essentially a website or an app that stores all your digital currency. Easiest way to think of it is like just how your bank account stores your local money, your crypto wallet would store your digital money. That makes sense. And you can do this, like you can sign up for those websites or apps before or after you've bought the cryptocurrency. There's also ways of storing your cryptocurrency offline. Like there's offline versions of the websites and apps, but um, you can also store them on like a USB drive or separate hardwares as well. I think what I really want to know is, is it safe to have it on these like digital wallets and like cryptocurrency wallets? Like I think I've heard that even though cryptocurrency itself is quite safe, is that completely impossible for your wallets to be like hacked into i don't want to say completely impossible but i think that's the same level of risk as people scamming your bank account or your credit card i guess one of the arguments and this is just me playing devil's advocate i guess but one of the arguments could be that at least with a bank or a credit card you have someone as an authority to turn to almost. I mean, I guess you can read in the terms and conditions of these apps if you really wanted to how the privacy works. But to be honest, one of the, as Sin said, one of the cons of cryptocurrencies, that's the thing. There's no governing body that takes care of it or regulates it. That's one of the risks that you take. I think this has been a really good chat 
because personally, I think I have learned a lot. And also, I think it's really important to not knock things before you quite understand it completely, because at least when you've got a full grasp on it, then you can be like, yeah, okay, like definitely can confirm this isn't for me. Or actually, yeah, I really am intrigued in it. I think the thing with cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular, and all investing in general, is never invest more than you're willing to lose. Like, I can't stress that enough. If there's one thing you take away from this podcast, at least for for me, is don't invest anything in a very high risk. I mean, I, I would argue cryptocurrencies at this stage are probably the most high risk, high reward forms of investing out there right now. Like, it can drop and it has dropped 80% in one day. You could have started off with $1,000 and by dinner you would have had 200 but it can also jump really high. You just don't know with these things. On the offset of that, I just want to say, and this is coming from a conversation that I had with another friend recently about how we're based in New Zealand. We live in little old New Zealand and sometimes we feel like we can't do things because we live so far away from the world. So she was saying that the reason she didn't want to get into cryptocurrencies is because she believes that there's like no way for her to invest properly in New Zealand, which is not the case at all. It's called digital currency for a reason. And the why behind it is to eliminate the fact, you know, that we're all separated by borders. That's so interesting. That just speaks about how little information is out there for us to be like oh yeah that's a thing I can do. I did really want to give a little shout out it's this blog post that outlines step by step on how you can actually buy cryptocurrency and bitcoin in New Zealand. Quick google search it is from a blog called Money King New Zealand and if you're interested it really does help make everything a lot easier and just shows that we live in New Zealand but we can still invest in these Big things, you know. Really? We don't have to, like, take a whale to Australia to get some Wi-Fi? I don't appreciate the attitude. It just says <laughs> we don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, yeah, Money King New Zealand, or if, it's, um, if you type it up, it's moneykingnz.com. It's really good. I've used it. I, lo- I love them. Doing the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's work. So, Sonia, if you had to leave our listeners with one thing to take away from this episode what would it be cryptocurrency is not as intimidating as you think understand that you're not investing in like i would say a tangible thing that you can kind of see read reports on you're investing in the belief that this thing will increase in value and three to echo what sim said earlier don't invest in something that you don't understand i think we've definitely covered you know what cryptocurrency is, I guess the history behind it, the history behind Bitcoin, you know, pros and cons of it, where you can invest in it, why you should or shouldn't. And yeah, hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we've definitely enjoyed talking about it. We, if you can, you know, if you can't tell, love just talking about anything to do with money, anything to do with investing. If you have anything in particular that you want us to talk about, hit us up. You can Find us on our Instagram account, Girls That Invest. We've also got a Facebook group. You can reach us there. And yeah, we just, we love this. So please, anything you want to know more of, let us know. To finish off with a disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. 
The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Until next time, Sonia. Until next time, Sim. Bye. Bye.